Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good afternoon, no matter where in the heck in the world you are. It's the one and only V, the Gorilla Economist, coming to you live on this edition of The Great Game with Matthew Errett. The man of the hour is here, fresh from the front lines of the Canadian Great Honkathon. The one and only Matthew Errett is here. He's going to be telling us what he has learned from these interviews, walking around and seeing everything face-to-face with the people on the ground. He was with the people on the front lines, folks, so it's going to be exciting to hear that. And talk about all the latest developments that is happening everywhere, from the craziness that is of uh, of the Ukraine situation in Europe. And, heck, if you want to even touch base on the insanity that's going around with the Olympics and Taiwan and this, that, and the other. I mean, there's just so much to talk about, Matthew. I don't know where to begin. Folks, you can find his work, or work over at thecanadianpatriot.com, thecanadianpatriot.com, also as the risingtidefoundation.net, risingtidefoundation.net. And let us not forget his Substack. The links are all in the description box. Make sure you guys click on it and show your love and support. And with that being said, Matthew, how are you, buddy? Good, V. Oh, oh, get his books. You got to get the books. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. I I just started digging into the Unfinished Symphony. Oh, my God. Yes, I got to tell you. I got the books, man. I cannot wait. Volume 1, Volume 2. Guys, like, I am... Let me just watch this. Welcome, welcome. I got. Yeah, and there's gonna be a there's gonna be a Russian look, right Russian there. edition out uh, very soon okay. in the next couple of months. So uh, get this you know, both look, the Iron Curtain. Huh? folks, I'm not playing around when I say you need this. Okay, you need this. Go right now, Matt. Where are they going? RisingTideFoundation.net. Uh, easiest way to get it would be on the CanadianPatriot.org site. Um, right up top. There you go. You'll see, like, buy the books all over the place. So that makes buy the it book. very easy. Buy the um, book. If you, can't, if you can't afford the books, send me an email. I'll send you free PDFs of them anyway. There you um, go. But yeah, Get no, it, we, educate we yourself. Huh? Get it and educate yourself. Bring yourself up to speed. Volume one, volume two, it is the one-two punch that you need. Get these books. Absolutely invaluable. Put an extra Bible on your coffee table, Okay. I mean, I have, uh, you know, well, recommend reading it. Stuff. That's exactly <laughs> Dude, recommend reading my house. You got the Bible, you got Atlas Shrugged, and then you got to have <laughs> these bad boys right here. Right here. This is what you need. All right, Maddie, I'm done. That's cool. And I, and I, am, not, and I am not paying V one cent. No, he's not paying me a cent. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a freaking awesome book. Own heart. Yeah. It's no, a freaking yeah, awesome book. You don't get it. Here. It's like you don't get it. I mean, my God. Yeah, and there's two volumes, and, and you know one thing that this ties into the um, the experience in Ottawa that I, I'll I'll go through a little bit of this mm. um, is that this this work these two volumes emerged out of a longer study that occurred over the course of about a decade on the untold history of Canada. It was a four volume series. I wrote three of them. Um, one of them was written uh, by a former colleague of mine, dealing with why Canada failed to join the American Revolution in 1776 when we had the chance to be a signer, a 14th colony, saying together that we would create a new republic together uh, for the first time on the earth and break away from the British crown. 
Uh, why did we fail to accept Ben Franklin's offer despite the fact that he was up here organizing fervently and that, that this process had been underway for many years, even before 1776? Um, and even despite the fact that there was a, a certain common sense of brotherhood and common sense of a fight for freedom um, and a, dis uh, uh, a hate of empire that had been firmly ingrained in the hearts of the French Canadians, um, despite all of that, we failed. So what were the political intrigues? What were the fifth column operations, the psyops that disrupted the flow of what should have been um, a very different course of history when we had a chance? So that question was ans answered of the course of these four volumes, um, which took us through about a 280 year uh, sweep of history um, in a story of Canada that I don't think anyone had ever quite told in a cohesive way. Um, and so coming out of that, the the clash of the two Americas became an organic next step. Today, the um, <clears throat> the experience going on with the, the Freedom Convoy that had converged about 10 days ago in Ottawa is a, is a very interesting case study. I myself was very challenged by it all, and I, I continue to be somewhat challenged by it, though I have a better handle of it, what it is now. Um, since, you know, being a Canadian, um, I sort of developed a little bit of a, a systemic disappointment with Canadians per se, looking at yeah. this, the history of constant failure to uh, rise up to the occasion. Um, it demoralizes you a little bit. You know, it, it took a little a, a little bit of the wind out of my patriotic uh, sails, so to speak, mm. the more I learned. Um, and the more you realize that Canada has always been primarily a, with, with a few exceptions, it's been primarily a, a hub for British imperial um, manipulation of the United States and destruction of good things that were going on in the U.S. You can't explain how those good things were destroyed. The assassination of Lincoln, the overthrow of, of Reconstruction, the killing of Kennedy, and many other things. If you don't look at the British staging staging ground of this monarchy of the North, which had always uh, been a subversive sort of element for most of the time, and again, there are there are great exceptions which I tried to tell the positive heroic stories of great Canadians who had been scrubbed out of history or, or slandered. Um, but despite that, it, it is demoralizing. So I sort of went, this is my first personal experience of something truly in my lifetime, uh, patriotic and legit. And I had to go on the ground in Ottawa to see for my own eyes, to talk with the people. <clears throat> and uh, it's, it's very different from a lot of the fake, you know, as, as intellectuals, we tend to get a little bit in our, our, I, in, into our heads sometimes, thinking about grand strategy, global geopolitics, how, how revolutions are orchestrated by the likes of George Soros's and the CIA and NED, and oftentimes, with, you know, always in those cases, with the political agenda to disrupt target nations for geopolitical purposes mm -hmm. and utilizing freedom movements in name only, but to really get the mob to become like a weaponized battering ram against the institutions of nation states. That's been sort of my tendency of wiring my mind and thinking about revolutionary processes. So this is something which is actually um, real. It, there's, you know, and you go through this thing. I spent the day there, negative 22 degree temperatures, probably a lot colder with, with wind chill and negative 20. We're in the Celsius uh, process up here in Canada or the, the metric system. Yeah. So negative 22, I don't know what that is in well, Fahrenheit. Yeah. Eighteen degrees, twenty degrees around there, so low, low, low teens or something like that. It's so cold. It's freezing. It's painful. Like, yeah. yeah. After after a couple of hours of walking around, I couldn't feel my face. I could barely use my mouth. Like I, it took me like 
500% more effort just to like use the, the muscles in my mouth to speak into uh, <laughs> my little selfie camera. It was yeah. really hard. But despite that, the joy and activity of thousands, I mean, every single street I walked up and down um, with a few of my, my collaborators, um, every single street was packed with a very well-organized set of, of trucks uh, making a lot of noise. Um, as their it is their right to do, um, and um, and there was just a sense of joy. It was again not like those Occupy Wall Street type uh, encampments, which we, I think we've all seen at different times back in 2010, um, which turned very quickly into anarchist-run um, dens of drugs, murders had happened. It, it turned into chaos pretty quickly. And it was, uh, there was, there was no real strong set of demands, except we want bad people on Wall Street to disappear. Um, a lot of this became very much co-opted by George, George Soros funded uh, black, you know, um, what do you call it? Black. Uh, oh, I forgot the name. Not, not Black Lives Matter, but there was a um, black block. That's black it. block. Black block. Yeah. Right. It's, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, fe- it's U.S. federal agencies along with Soros NGO actors with the feds mm-hmm. running the logistics and the NGO actors doing the harm. We've seen that yeah. happen several times in all over the place from, from Seattle to uh, back, back in the Seattle WTO protest in the nineties where they first emerged as the black block all mm-hmm. the way to, um, uh, to, you know, uh, occupy wall street and the black block emerged from operation Yellowbird, which was first tested in Myanmar in, in 1983. Then again, in Tiananmen square, Coming right out of Hong Kong, by the way. Good. That is extraordinarily interesting. I did not yep. know about the Yellowbird connection. Um, yep. Fascinating. It's the well, same so character. The... Everything that, that was their beta test. So that that's hmm. how they ran the whole entire thing. That's why when you look at the original Seattle WTO riots that occurred back in the nineties, it's the same thing. Stu, uh, you know, disgruntled student protesters, student rights activists, this, that, and the other, and you know, uh, anti. Uh, uh, world trade people, but they're all commies, all different types of uh, stupid ideologies, all being managed. It was the it was the beta test. What happened in the eighties in Southeast mm-hmm. Asia, uh, um, you know, w- w- with Myanmar, and then later Hong Kong, which you know uh, the, the Hong where it incubated in Hong Kong, then went to Tiananmen Square, and then what you see also at the School of the Americas. Okay, all mm-hmm. of that culminated. That's all lessons learned in the Black Bloc. The Black Bloc became a more sophisticated evolution of operation gladio in some regards okay but then this was they realized a powerful weapon to use on on government soil in u.s territories in u.s soil without anybody you know thinking twice about it oh very good point very good point and exactly that that is exactly what we'd seen happen it was just the that in the case, and I'll just go on a quick segue before jumping back to Ottawa, but in the case of the Montreal, um, and I was also participating in the Boston Occupy uh, Wall Street thing for a little bit, but I spent most of my time at, at the beginning, at least for the first couple of weeks uh, in Montreal, where I'm based. And, uh, you know, the, the, there was a lot of potential. There was a lot of good people. They were trying to use the opportunity to educate the mess that it congealed in tents and everything and uh, in, in the financial district up here. And, and there was an idea to, you know, showcase documentaries, have lectures, really give people, use this as, as an opportunity to get people to think on a much bigger level and also call for explicit uh, demands that would be something you could organize around instead of something very nebulous, you know, make this bad system go away. Um, <clears throat> it's useless to say things like that. So within about a week, 
uh, it had totally been taken over. Any type of positive discussions were totally annihilated under this fake democracy where people were just voting, voting like this um, at these, you know, assemblies uh, or voting like this. If you want to vote down, they had these weird hand signals that were strange. And any, anything that involved making concrete demands for, let's say, restoring Glass-Steagall, breaking up the banks, things that would actually work, re, you know, revive national banking, all of these things were, were subverted. And at a certain point, I had a, a political table with information um, with a few friends uh, that was turned upside down and we were attacked violently. Um, and there was actually a vote to, uh, <laughs> to oh, wow. kick out anybody who was trying to um, propose concrete policies. Um, so they actually had a democratic vote to exclude a whole bunch of people who were actually trying to have a discussion about where's this thing going. So yeah, it was a complete, uh, chaos operation. This thing is different. The, 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 the demands are not ideological. This is not an ideological (laughs) Marxist type of thing going on of, uh, fake, uh, pro labor groups that are just academics, uh, deploying anarchist students. It's not like that at all. These are, these are people who are blue collar workers they want their freedom it's a very simple demand against a tyrannical government which is commandeered by foreign interests um, there's a great understanding about the nature of the world economic forum around the idea of a technocratic reset of society and the takeover of nations through fifth columns deep states um, anybody that i had spoken to had a had a strong understanding we had signs all over the place um, but really it's the desire to have freedom and to have a right to work and to feed your kids you know there were, <clears throat> there was a sense of joy. You know, there, there are hockey games. There were like literally just hot uh, areas of the streets that people were just playing hockey. You had bouncy castles for kids. Cause there's a lot of children, a lot of young people um, all over the place. Um, very, very peaceful and outdoor dancing, free food, hot chocolate, um, yeah, just incredibly positive uh, overall experience. The, um, the, uh, the other thing that I found very interesting is that three separate groups who are who have a lot of antagonism were all brought together so there's a high a, a large quantity of american flags a large quantity of canadian flags quebec flags so you had the french canadians and the english canadians there's a lot of animosity right between french and english canadians um i spoke to uh, one uh, truck driver from quebec there's a lot of quebecois uh who said you know my whole life i've always co- considered myself quebecois but now i feel like i'm canadian <laughs> and uh East Coast and West Coast, you know, in, in Canada, there's there's a lot of animosity between the West Coast Canadians and the East Coast Canadians who feel like they're in two different universes, and they kind of right. are. Um, there was none of that differentiation. Everybody was together. Um, there were signs of the uh, don't shred on me flag that had been something that arose out of the American uh, war against the British. Um, there were, like I said, this is something the, the Canadians, and you're in Ontario when you're talking about Ottawa. The, uh, the, the motto for Ontario is uh, something to the effect of, uh, we will always remain loyal to the British. <laughs> and here you have, I mean, it, it was founded by United Empire loyalists who chose to backstab the cause of the revolution and set up mm. uh, you know, a base in British-friendly territory. Um, but here you have people, again, who are tapping into something much more human and universal. Um, and on top of that, you have... No, I won't say copycat, but you have other freedom convoys being inspired all over the place uh, in Quebec City, in Alberta, in Saskatchewan, in uh, in British Columbia, Australia, New Zealand, yeah, in Finland, Norway, Germany, Germany, uh, 
there's discussion all across the U.S. for similar truckers to do the same thing. And the amount of political clout that these people wield is, is very great. The dangerous thing now is that, um, and I've, I've listened to enough videos of the representatives from the Ottawa convoy, which again has been completely peaceful. There's been an effort to try to smear them as Nazis, racists, insurrectionists. Mark Carney um, just joined his voice into the fray, who's based in uh, Ottawa right now. And he basically called on the Globe and Mail, um, published yesterday. Uh, God bless him, a, a, a Goldman Sachs acolyte. He's he's upset. Oh yeah, he's done so much great good for humanity, right? Uh, as a Goldman oh, yeah. Sachs investment banker and uh, head of the Bank of England and Bank of Canada, what great things he has done for Canadians. What a patriot! Um, but he's literally, and they're saying that we have to go go after legally those who have provided funds. Uh, to the insurrectionists who he labeled as, um, he, he likened to Nazis, a Nazi insurrection to overthrow the government. That is not what they want. All claims have been to have a negotiation with people who have clout, ideally Trudeau, but of course Trudeau, triple boosted and all, has come down with, with COVID for, what is it, a third time, conveniently on the day that they arrived and was like airlifted out to some secret location to recover. He, he's he's at the White House with Biden, man. That's where he's at. He's in the ba- he's in the uh, off-site White House with Biden, where they have this mm-hmm. set, set up. You know, he's over there, right? <laughs> he's, he's disguised in camouflage as a blackface. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. He's one of the uh, he's disguised as a Secret Service agent, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or one of Biden's uh, servants. <laughs> one of the exactly with blackface on and everything. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So they, you know. It's very clear that the, the government currently has no interest whatsoever to negotiate, and instead they have called the the uh, uh, the mayor of, of Ottawa, Jim Watson, has called for a uh, a state of emergency. Um, there are already a few arrests that have happened. There are there is a lot of talk of the danger of an of a of a much larger um, set of arrests. Mm. Yeah, maybe false flag. I mean, we've mm. seen containers. That um, that's the good thing about living in a world where everybody has a, a, a recording device in their phone. But there have been just just like in the case of the uh, the Black Lives Matter protests in the United States last year, uh, there are these containers of bricks just laying around, right? Oh, um, how convenient! That, yeah. that that's that Soros logistics right there. Absolutely, <laughs> just rubble and bricks, just just oh, yeah. drop there in the middle of the night. Don't ask questions. No reason for that. Um, so people are taking, you know, obviously footage of that and, and putting that on social media, just getting across, like, if these things are used, it's not the truckers who are using it. Um, we've had, uh, you know, in the middle of the night, early on, some people went and spray painted Nazi symbolism on, like, graveyard sites and uh, some statues, which you're not going to, I mean, if you're going for a freedom convoy, you're not going to, like, wake up in the middle of the night and start spraying swastikas. So this is obviously other things being infused for photo op purposes so that these guys like Carney and Trudeau and others have something to talk about when they try to call this this thing a um, a fascist insurrection, yeah, uh, likened to January sixth. Oh yeah, they're um, calling it already. Like it's it's our insurrection. Yeah, I mean the the yeah. statists love to throw that term around. It's our insurrection. It's a it's these fascists, these Nazis. It's disgusting. They're they're so desperate to control a crumbling narrative. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, there's people of all colors there. When you actually go there and see with your own eyes, uh, there's nothing. Uh, the, the the one person that was walking around with like this uh, Confederate flag, um, there's video footage because that's what the, ma- the mainstream media took a picture of this one guy with his Confederate flag and a sign saying uh, stop lockdowns. And uh, 
you know, fully masked up, right? So right there, it's weird because nobody's wearing masks. But this guy, all of a sudden, he's like an Antifa black, you know, all you can see is his eyes. And the convergence of the actual truckers and their their families and supporters just converge on him and kicked him out of the thing in a, in a, in a second. But it's right. only the, the couple of photo op um, pictures of the guy walking around that made it onto the mainstream media. Again, conveying to people who actually still believe in the Canadian government-funded media, which, I mean... Hundreds of millions of dollars, especially under COVID, have been funded uh, by the Canadian government, by taxpayers, to CBC, other mainstream media outfits, just to promote the uh, the World Health Organization line. The CBC itself gets $1.2 billion of taxpayer money annually uh, just to push propaganda. So um, it's, it's all a very controlled narrative. The danger right now as well is that uh, as of the last two days, police have begun going in. Uh, to the the encampments and stealing the fuel from the truckers. Um, again, nobody has gotten violent. Everyone is has uh, an agreement, which is this how are they going to st- how are they going to keep warm? It's it, it's like negative twenty something degrees outside, and they're taking fuel that they need to power their generators to keep them warm. This is well, you want to talk about an insurrection? This is a siege that's going on, man. This is siege done by the government of Canada, done by the authorities yeah. in Ottawa, and these yeah. police that are carrying out. This is siege. You're taking away their fuel. What's next? You're going to take away their food? Well, yeah, and, and they sort of are. Like, one of the one of the policies that they've done under the state of emergency has been to um, make it illegal for anybody to be caught providing supplies into Ottawa downtown uh, region. So if you're bringing food, if you're bringing toilet paper, if you're bringing uh, gasoline or whatever, now you can be arrested. And ar- some arrests have begun uh, just by people trying to bring some food back into the, the area. Um, so they are trying to choke them off. I don't think this is going to work. I mean, there are these are trucks that were already packed to the brim with supplies that could last a very long time. Um, so I have my doubts how well this is going to work. But that's why the danger of this also escalating to a point of getting violent um, by the state. There's there's insiders who seem to have a pretty good sense of some inside intelligence who have provided um, word to the organizers of the the uh, convoy, uh, who just did a press conference I watched, that uh, there would be a potential blackout um, where all cell phones, other devices would be all shut off at a, at a during a raid. Um, there are, is a detention uh, facility set up just north of Ottawa um, which is possibly a place where they would be taking a lot of the people. And the idea would be to intimidate those who would not be arrested. I mean, they wouldn't be able to arrest anybody if they wanted to. There's too many people. But the idea is to psychologically intimidate as many as possible who just want end up leaving out of demoralization. So that's another danger, which is why the, the uh, organizers of the convoy called for anybody um, in Canada to take this opportunity now to add reinforcements, to come take the time off of work um, and go and participate now um, in this. The The thing here again is that there's no violence. This is the, the the very clear thing. There are very, very powerful speakers. There has been some, obviously, as you always get, there are some shitheads who try to present themselves as being representative of the people. It always happens. Um, a, some QAnon-affiliated woman calling herself the Queen of Canada uh, who is obviously just absurd, uh, has, you know, tried to steal some of the limelight and make the whole thing sound completely insane. But the comp- it, it is absolutely nonviolent. It is completely rational. 
And again, the only piece of violence, the only evidence of any violence that we have seen coming out of any of these freedom convoys is the one case in, I think it's in Saskatchewan, uh, or is it Winnipeg? Um, where um, <clears throat> the, the Jeep driver, the Antifa guy who ran over yeah, people with his Jeep. All by yeah. himself. He was driving his Jeep by himself and he had a medical mask on. Yeah, that exactly. That is the dead ringer of who this guy belongs to. He's in a Jeep running people over and he has a mask on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And he like ran over some guy's foot, hit a few people, and I think they, they caught him for like uh, a misdemeanor charge or something like that. He obviously was trying to kill people. Attempted um, murder. The kid, the guy should have been beaten within an inch of his life and thrown into prison for the next 10 years. It was attempted vehicular manslaughter, at least 10 counts, because that's how many people he hit. But of course, he gets a misdemeanor. This is criminal, man. If he gets a misdemeanor, you know what that means? He was, a, he, he was on the government payroll. He was an agent provocateur. Oh, that's very likely. That's very likely. We've seen enough of those. You know, b- back in... Um, there, there are so many cases of, of false flags and provocateurs. Uh, I... I just just not that long ago in 2014 in fact there was a, a false flag um that resulted in some serious gun control laws um and other um ceases controls over um canada which had inflamed massively i think i think it was called bill c14 I'm, I'm forgetting now it's been so long but it was all being it was all sparked by a shooting i don't know if you remember this but in um there was an ottawa shooting that involved two soldiers dying who were standing at a yeah, I remember a, that. I remember that statue, right? Yep. The whole thing was shady as all hell. Um, not only because um, it's weird, like this statue never has guards on it, period. They just like decided all of a sudden after decades to just put two guards there who were then then like the next day shot to death. Um, very questionable because we don't really know what happened to the bodies or anything. And then the guy runs who does the shooting. He decides he runs to get to the parliament building, which is about a 20 minute run. Uh, it's 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 very far. It's a it's a huge fight with your automatic weapons and everything like that. <laughs> who, um, who, I want to know who is the, the 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 gaggle of morons who get together and write out these false flag scenarios. Listen, Jim, what we're gonna do is we're gonna place two soldiers here. Uh, they've never been on guard duty, and no one's ever guarded the statue. But we'll place them there, and the next day we'll shoot them. Then I have a genius idea. We'll have our gunmen, while holding a gun, run through a busy public street for twenty minutes straight. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's absurd. It's absurd. (laughs) It's really absurd. And, you know, like Ottawa is kind of like it's like any other capital, uh, Washington or or uh, or, you know, um, London, England. It's it's there's, you know, CCTV cameras everywhere. Um, It's a bit of a police state controlled area. Um, So to say, oh, we just didn't see this guy in time um, and let him run all the way up there into the parliament building where, you know, this other story occurred where um, he basically just ran in shooting, didn't shoot anybody per se. And the guy who ends up being the hero of the day is this, in Canada, in, in, in monarchical governments, you get this weird, <laughs> a lot of weird things. But this guy's like the uh, the guy who, who's the garter of the staff or something. Who, yeah, like, the garter. I'm surprised, I'm surprised they scripted in a way where it was Justin Trudeau that saved the day. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is... This is a guy who is like, yeah, he wear, he walks around like a. He's the captain of the guard. Hat and regalia and a big like g- golden stick to usher in the parliament <laughs> sessions, and that's like his job for something. And he's is then like, he goes out shooting 
as this great hero and, and like kills the guy. Now here's the weird thing. Uh, well, uh, two weird things. This guy be, is rewarded by becoming the ambassador to England or something uh, immediately afterwards. But number two, um, the actual shooter is the son of a woman who was not just an RCMP officer. She was the head of the regulatory agency that oversees the RCMP. That was her son, Bibo, um, wow. something Bibo. And her the the father of this kid was like a, a Libyan billionaire who had uh, been part of the anti-Qaddafi uh, networks. It was a oh, weird yeah. situation. You're like, well, what the hell did you do to this kid? Like, it's like a, anyway, it's like a sacrificial kid that you just like you know had had to offer up to the system <laughs> to, to maintain your your position or something i don't listen know. I don't, uh, I don't listen akbar and uh, julie here's the deal uh, we're gonna make uh we want to really uh, increase your profits here you want to get this deal done you got to help us out with this narrative uh your son yeah we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna put him through some mk ultra stuff from our cia buddies and then we're gonna have him shoot two guards run 20 minutes in broad daylight in one of the most heavily surveilled cities on god's green earth and we're gonna make a guy in a funny costume kill him at the end Sounds good. All right, sign here. <laughs> I mean, dude, you know the deep state used to do some really good assassinations a long time ago, and really good false flag. They just suck right now, man. It's so yeah, bad. I know. No, I know. They they really need to hire some different uh, creative writers. It's uh, it's, it's really something. Because the problem uh, is everybody that, that's writing for them these days, they're all woke. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Eh? <laughs> Well, it's like it's like in January sixth. Like, what are we gonna do? Let's let's get a guy to paint his torso and put a big bullhead on himself to really just get across the you know the fact that these, these insurrectionists <laughs> are just beasts of the jungle, and uh, we'll make him the spokesman for this <laughs> this takeover. The, the beast exactly. over the <laughs> the state. Um. So yeah, I mean, the whole thing. It's just it's 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 desperate. It's complete i mean it's also creating certain political ruptures like the the conservative party right now of canada has gone through a bit of a coup d'etat where the head of the party Aaron o'toole has been ousted by a, a sort of inner caucus revolt uh, re, yeah rebellion they're gonna select a new leader pretty soon it might be this guy pierre poiliev who's not a bad guy he's been actually he's, he's got bite he's come out pretty courageously on a number of occasions calling out um the, the these types of tyrannical policies the current woman who's in as a as a interim uh conservative party opposition head on in the parliament is not bad I've, I've heard her in action and she's pretty she's pretty solid um of course we don't really seem to have a government right now because like <laughs> we have some guys some guy i've never heard of just standing in for justin trudeau uh like a you know shitty tied disheveled look who's kind of nervous uh you know speaking in the house of commons with the uh the woman who's the opposition but she's not really the opposition either of the the, the other party he's been ousted so it's there's total turmoil. Everything is there's fissures all over the place. And it's because, you know, the elite who are trying to manage this show have completely been operating on an ivory tower formula, mathematical way of trying to govern society from a technocratic standpoint where they have no actual humanity within them. They don't know anything about the people themselves. They don't know how to connect with the people, the base, um, which is, I think, the, the best chance we have right now is that the actual human beings um, real human beings, not ideological, uh, conditioned creatures, the, not the Borg types of, of Davos who have, uh, taken over the controls of much of the, the deep states of our government in Canada, the U S and Europe, but the real base, this is where the, the power has to reside. As long as it doesn't get conflated into anarchy 
but rather makes very concrete demands right now of having the right to work, the right to have a life, the right to feed your family, right? Uh, very basic things, the right to move. You know, we have a, we have a, um, for those who don't know, a, um, a lawsuit, a very interesting one being f- uh, put forth right now in the Canadian government against the Canadian government by, by Brian Peckford. This is a, a, one of those potent strategies that I think has a lot of good behind it, where Brian Peckford was a former premier of Nova Scotia, but he's also a former signer uh, and, and drafter of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms that was you know, made into so-called law in 1982. And this guy, uh, he's the last surviving member of the, of the team that put that forward. And I've got a lot of problems with it. I don't think it's a real constitution, but it, it is the basis of, around which uh, freedoms have been fought legally in courts. It is, it is an important document on, from that standpoint. Um, and, you know, he's making a very simple case um, as a co-founder of this thing. It's like, you know, one of the co-founders of the U.S. Declaration or Constitution going out decades later and uh, and arguing in the Supreme Court that it is being that the actual founding documents are being infringed upon and destroyed. So he's doing that. And uh, Section 8 within the Constitution of Canada the, or the, the Charter it gives it guarantees rights of travel for any Canadian in and out of Canada, as well as within the provinces under obviously the the COVID emergency rules that's all been deprived. The unvaxxed are not allowed to move from province to province they, unless they have their own car or want to walk. Um, but you can't be on a train. You can't be on a plane. Um, so this is a legal, a legal suit that could get results within the next few months even. Um, people should be rallying around things like that. The other thing that that is very important is that the the fissures in the in the technocratic system the the narratives are breaking down on so many levels and internationally I think we've we've seen this we talk a little bit about this I guess before we, we sign out but in the case of the war drive against NATO uh, against Russia that that the U.S. has been trying to utilize for various reasons um, is demonstrating that there is no cohesive voice amongst the members of NATO at all. All you're getting now is infighting, kind of like you have in the Canadian governing class. There's backstabbing, infighting. Yep. Uh, the situation president has said, uh, if this thing gets hot, we are not participating, even though we're legally uh, mandated to as members of NATO. We are not. Who, who, who said this? The, the Croatian, Croatian president. <clears throat> yeah, that's yeah. spreading. I mean, Poland's already in the same house. They're like, uh, we don't want to be a part of this. Hell, even the Ukrainians don't want to be a part of this. And also, this is the reason why I'm looking at Macron speaking with Putin uh, the other day. Where he actually flew to Moscow, and isn't it funny that in the last several days we've had uh, Macron in Moscow, we had Bolsonaro in Moscow, you have the president of Argentina in Moscow, you had several other world leaders in Moscow. Supposedly Moscow, you know, the capital of Russia, a country that's supposed to have an economy the size of New York City, a country that is a, basically a gas station posing as a country, right? But somehow everybody wants to fly to Moscow to meet with this guy to do this deal because they know what the reality is on the ground. Mm-hmm. Macron, we all know that he's been spurned and he's gotten jilted. The French got screwed over with that AUKUS deal, right, with the submarine mm-hmm. deal in Australia. They're, they understand, look, any war that breaks out near and or involves NATO and Europe it does nothing to benefit Europe. It is to keep Europe subjugated under the Anglo-American power structure. That's what this whole damn thing is. That's what it comes mm-hmm. down to. And it's it, it's incredible. And this this is the reason why Blowjob, I'm sorry, uh, Boris Johnson, I call him Blowjob, <laughs> Blowjo <laughs> snubbed Putin's uh, phone call and then tries to go back. And now he's trying to get a hold of Putin again, trying to trying to talk with Moscow. 
it's all the while he's in, he's on the verge of losing his job. It's 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 ridiculous. It's it's pure comedy, man. Yeah, absolutely. I know, and and even like yeah, uh, the uh, Argentinian uh, president uh, Fernandez has also uh, just recently come back from uh, from Russia as well as China. Um, every you have even the Aust- Austria is a, is a basket case, um, especially on COVID, but. In terms of not wanting to be caught in the crossfire of a nuclear war, um, the Austrian foreign minister or the the defense minister, I'm forgetting. Anyway, one of the two um, just made a call that this cannot go ahead. And they even said that the British have been lighting fires uh, diplomatically to try to provoke this thing. And this is the Austrians who are otherwise a very controlled zone. Um, So there's so much dissent. There's efforts by Germany and Russia uh, to try to salvage with Ukraine and uh, Russia the um, the Minsk Accords and to get the uh, the actual Normandy talks back um, up and running, the U.S. right now there's there's a lot of talk. Alistair Crook, uh, who's a great analyst, uh, just wrote an article on strategic culture where he made the point that there is a lot of talk of another U.S. coup being initiated uh, or in preparation in uh, Ukraine once again, as if they're they haven't done this enough yet. Because Zelensky is just being seen increasingly by the the Washington establishment as a troublemaker who's not going along with the narrative. And uh, at several key moments, both Zelensky, um, who is an otherwise completely controlled puppet, um, he was elected to, you know, on a, on a peace ticket in Ukraine against the, the Nazi-infested former government of Poroshenko. Um, he's completely abandoned his base for the most part and became a complete puppet for the war policy. However, in recent weeks, especially since Putin's red line was made clear. Um, he's come out saying like, this is this, the, the narrative that the U S is pushing is not real. And his own defense minister has said, we have no evidence that the U S that Russia is about to invade in any way. Um, so this is, you need to kind of have Ukraine on board. If you're going to be able to continue with this idea of Russia imminent invasion um, without Ukraine, it doesn't really work very well. So the possibility of them ousting, Zelensky in favor of somebody a little bit more uh, friendly to U.S. interests at this point is possible. Um, there's also, you know, this amazing discussion that that happened, this intervention between Mike Lee from Associated Press and uh, what's his face, Ned, Ned Price um, at the State Department oh, yeah. was putting out this U.S. intelligence that um, demonstrates that Russia is, is planning to use crisis actors to stage a false flag in East East Ukraine and Donbass to have an excuse <laughs> to, to blame it on Kiev and then go in and invade. And Mike, Mike Lee, doing real journalism, did a great job. And he just called him out and said, look, I've been here for, you know, decades doing what I'm doing. And I've heard a lot of uh, claims like this, that there's secret intelligence of this sort, weapons of mass destruction in Iraq and others. And it always turns out to be a, a hoax. So what evidence are you actually saying? And uh, the, 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 the fact that I'm here telling you, Mike, the reason why I'm talking about it is the evidence you need. That's a perfect. You are good. You are good. That is exactly how well, I mean, Ned Price actually, you know, one of my business partners actually went to school with Ned Price, actually knows the girl. He's friends with the girl that Ned Price dated before Ned Price came out as a closet homo. Ned Price was always a lying sack of shit. He's been a lying sack of shit and a piece of crap his entire life. He was a piece of crap going into the CIA, and he's a piece of crap working for the Obama administration, and he's a a regurgitated piece of crap right now in the Biden administration. Nothing's changed about Ned Price. He's a low-brow, low-IQ idiot who's out there doing his thing. He's he's useless. He's a psychophant. That's what he is, with an emphasis on psycho. 
That's that. Yeah. I mean, I believe it. I just listen to the the guy speak. There's nothing genuine whatsoever, which is exactly what you need. If you're going to be a a high level member within the Obama CIA Biden uh, white house these days, they're Um, so mediocre, man. It's unbelievable. Like, can you look at anybody? Can you look at anybody in the United States government or the Canadian government or the British government or even the European union and say, look, that is a, a genius state. I can't find a single person that's on a on a level of a Wang of a Wang Yi. That's on a level of a Lavrov. That's on a level of a Putin. I can't find a single person. I can't. They're no. all idiots. They're all morons, and they're so mediocre. It's beyond me. I, it's it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing for me to be. I can't even. It's just. I get nauseous talking about it. But go ahead, man. I, I do too, and anybody should. If you're if you have access to any of your humanity, uh, your stomach should turn when you listen to any of these technocrats trying to speak as if they're human, um, as, as if you know they all sort of have the same sort of template in their in their projection of yeah. what they think of as being ideas, which is just uh, a lot of them have this this World Economic Forum TED Talk type of you know uh, quality where you can see that they've all been conditioned right. or trained by the same training camp of just speaking the way Zuckerberg does in his promotional videos or any young leader from the WF uh, speaks uh, on a, in any given re, you know platform. It's, it's just, it's detached. There's no humanity. There's no self-awareness. There's no sense of principles that exist right. in the universe, in their own hearts or in the universe more broadly. Whereas when you listen to a, a Lavrov or, or a Wang Yi or, or any genuine statesman, um, you get a, a strong sense that their their words are coming from a different place. Their insights are coming from a different place, where they're more appreciative of the long term civilizational dynamics that they themselves are representative of morally um, as defenders. And you get that, and you when I, I read through most of the not the full five thousand words yet, but the uh, the joint statement that was just made public by the Chinese and the Russians the day that Putin arrived in uh, China a few days ago. And I mean, it's a strong joint statement on a, the terms for the new era um, where, you know, there's a very concrete idea that these that there is a, a civil that these are more than nation states per se. These are civilizational states that represent thousands of years of experience of tradition and that this has to be the basis around which international law, the idea of self-interest, economic policy has to be enshrined. Um, very, it's the, that is the absolute truth of the matter. Um, and to the degree that you do that and locate your individualized identity within that broader sort of continuity of something much, much bigger than yourself that you are participating in and giving back to before you die, the bigger, the more your access to creative, genuine creative, um, thinking is available to you. If you don't, if you just think of things as a, as a board game or as a, um, you know, like any of these game theorists or uh, managing much of the geopolitical order, they think of everything like literally a computer model. There's no deeper continuity in what they're a part of beyond that. Um, they don't have access to that type of creative mental flexibility needed to uh, to do proper combat. So they are ultimately self-destructive. It doesn't mean that they're not going to unleash uh, hell on earth based on, on their level of desperation that they cannot win this game. Does that mean that 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 the good guys, so-called, have uh, won? No, that's not a gimme. Um, there is no accounting for a wounded creature backed into a corner, which could jump out and do something that destroys both its itself and its opponents too. 
Um, that could happen. Um, but overall, people should gain heart with the fact that the empire itself has made itself completely intellectually incompetent based on its desire that the, the world and humanity accommodate their ivory tower formulas. And they cannot accept the fact that, no, there's something else outside of the formulas operating on the system that they want to manipulate that they don't understand, they cannot understand. And Russia and China do definitely understand what this is on a, on a deeper, a much deeper level. So there are fifth column penetrations into both Russia, China still. Um, these are not cleared, but they have successfully, unlike us, uh, waged their battle against these parasitical foreign ops. And you have a serious battle being waged in defense of humanity coming out of those parts of the Eurasian multipolar alliance, unlike us, where in much, in a high degree at least, our federal elected officials, our executive branches have fallen. It doesn't mean that the game is over. It just means that it has to come from a different sort of um, environment. And this is where I, I got a lot of heart, even though I listened to um, the full uh, Trump speech in Texas. Um, I got to say, it, he says, as always, dumb, dumb, dumb stuff. Very counterproductive stuff occurred in that speech. However, overall, what I see with Trump, the, the, the one benefit is that he's not a cyborg. Unlike the yeah. in the the Borg like hive of the neoliberal rules based order of NATO, Trump has humanity in him. I could see that um, his support base. I mean, fifty thousand people, as far as the eye could see, it was a, it was a huge turnout, um, and it was actually nice for me to hear for the first time ever. I never thought I would hear this. Uh, tens of thousands of Americans in Texas cheering on uh, Canadian truckers and the Freedom Convoy. That, that was nice to hear. Freedom uh, is a contagious thing. It is. It is. And it, it creates, it's a game changer. It's it's creating new situations that were formerly impossible. Like, like I said, this current ouster, this coup d'etat in the Conservative Party, where the former the former head of the Conservative Party of Canada was a complete whore for the, the World Economic Forum in lockdowns. Now he's gone. The, the government of Saskatchewan is calling for a, a pullback, a repeal of the lockdown measures. Um, in Quebec, where they were going to do an anti-vax uh, tax, that was about to go online very shortly, um, like what they've done in um, in Austria. The this has been repealed. the The government all of Quebec even said, "No, we're not going to do that." Sorry, we we made it. We made a boo boo. Um, so you have these shifts happening. So people just have to stay strong and really make sure that they they take the opportunity because you know if we were in World War II, a lot of people would be fighting on the front lines. They'd be you know Spitfighter pilots, you know, in their twenties who would rather be doing a variety of other things than risking their lives uh, fighting Nazis. Um, but that's what people did at a certain moment when it was needed. If they were in the 1770s, they would be, you know, fighting uh, against the British Redcoats, risking their lives, doing probably guerrilla warfare and other things. I'm not saying that we should do that today. We don't need to. We have, we have constitutional laws now that have, you know, uh, made that not necessary. But it was necessary when it was. Um, in the Civil War, you know, like there was... People were risking their lives under a British-funded uh, divide-and-conquer strategy to spread slavery internationally um, and break up the Union and undo the uh, the Constitution. That, you know, 500,000 Americans died during that experience. And in the civil rights movement, there was lynchings. You know, young people were being beaten up and going, you know, being sent to prison for civil disobedience under Martin Luther King's civil rights movement. Um, so, you know, those... Unlike the last, it's been difficult for the past 50 years of globalization um, because things, the, the fascism <clears throat> after the 1960s took on a bit more of a, a soft fascism of sorts, you know, 
Um, we were turned into a consumer society, so we had access to our liberties, but we were so increasingly corrupted on a psycho-spiritual economic level that people didn't want to utilize those liberties properly to change the system in any way that disrupted their comforts. So, you know, you could tell people, oh, but look, we're utilizing modern slave labor of Africans and others who have to remain poor to keep their labor cheap so that they could fill up our dollar stores and our Walmarts. Um, but it was very abstract. A lot of people, you know, or you could say you, you, there were people who were saying, you know, that it's the trilateral commission, which has taken over control. It's a Rockefeller operation controlling our government, which is trying to bring us into a one world government at some point indefinitely in the future. And again, for most people living in the sort of comfort zone, they were like, well, that's a little bit abstract for me to think about. I, I could still feed my family. I could still go to work. I can't really think about Africa or trilateral commission conspiracies. I'm, I'm sorry. So it wasn't a lot really to get behind. Um, they, they're, our fundamental freedoms weren't challenged like they were under the civil rights movement, um, where people still didn't have voting rights. They didn't have the right to even go to a, a, a restaurant if your skin wasn't the right color. Um, or the the civil right uh, the 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 civil war earlier or the American Revolution where fundamental liberties were just not there. Um, that th now is the case where it's becoming simple again in that sense, and uh, and that's I think the greatest strength of this movement is that it's not ideological. It's acting for very simple, fundamental, universal rights that bring all humanity together into one family. Um, with one cause against one beast, one one empire, which is not American per se. It's not even British per se. It's an oligarchy which has international penetrations and it happens to have its nexus of controls in Britain. Of a, But it's not British. The British people are, are targeted too. The Israeli people are targeted too, as we see. Um, it's, it's an international, supranational entity of a you know the same Babylonian Empire system that wants to return to a feudal structure of depopulated uh, pre-nation state systems. That's what we have. Yeah, the global death cult. The global death cult. That's the great way of putting it. It's a global yeah. Borg-like death cult that wants everybody yeah. as mechanical as they are, who is permitted to you know live as talking cows as long as you've been you know quadruply or quintuply vaxxed and have your uh, social credit scores uh, rated with the proper activities and behavior and, th and thoughts that give you access to the credits that you're somehow going to be granted if you're going to pay your, your rent or have your driver's license renewed or pay for food uh, this week for your family. So, you know, they, they want to create this very dystopic, nasty, unnatural world order. Um, thank God you have most of the nations of the world outside of the transatlantic who have said no to this mass sacrifice and uh, the question now is what we do here in the West and the weeks and months ahead. <clears throat> yeah, very well said, man. And at, at the same time, uh, you know, the deep state, the, the leaders of exceptional stand are added again in the South China Sea, where we have things heating up over there as well. It's, it's, it's remarkable, man. I've never seen a group that is losing so badly, still trying to put up points on the board you I should know. be right now at this point at this stage of the game they should be negotiating a smooth transition but they're not no they, you have george soros coming out with this crazy uh oh video God. calling for essentially regime change in authoritarian china like Did you see him? Get that? My, my wife showed me the video of soros stalking right when he's talking about this whole regime change in china thing dude he's dying 
You see the yeah. way he talks? She showed me a video of him three years ago, and today he's like he's his mouth is only his jaws moving. There's no facial muscles that's moving. Look like he, he looks like he had a stroke. He's like we will have a removal of Xi Jinping, and I mean this guy. It, 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 he's like dro- he's drooling at the mouth. Like you know when somebody's taking like boat like too much Botox to the face yeah, and they yeah. can't move their it has like facial yeah. paralysis <clears throat> and it, it, it I I hope to God he dies a very painful death and very soon. Yeah, he's got a bit of a Darth Sidious type of uh, after after he's been you know like thrown over the. Uh, <laughs> over the <cliff. laughs> well, uh, what can <laughs> hope? But yeah, no, I mean I I agree. I, you think the last days of your your wretched life after living uh such a waywardly existence that you might want to maybe um yeah maybe not try to guarantee your place in hell forever and like no he's just totally unrepentant he's just going doubling down in the last little ounce of of life energy he has just to you know just to be the devil yeah that's it just being the devil yeah. It was the happiest times of my life when I led Jews to the concentration camps. It was wonderful. I wouldn't change a thing. Maybe he's thinking that if he's just like so devilishly bad that he's going to like be granted a, a better, you know, comfortable room in hell instead of you oh, know, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, better than rule in hell. Maybe he would be like, you know, punished in, in sulfur, like 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 torture. But then maybe he's like, if I could just go like full hog, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Mephistopheles level bad. Maybe maybe then. I could be like a lieutenant down there or something. Oh my god! I mean, I mean, seriously, man. He's um, he, he, I guess he really does believe in the ideology of better to rule in hell than to, uh, better to rule in hell than to serve in heaven. You know? Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly yeah. it. Unbelievable. I don't know if, are there any uh any messages from the audience or anything? Or are we uh, are we no uh, are we good to go? no no we're okay. good to go. Anything else you want to mention? No, Once I'm, again, I'm pretty happy. I think that was a pretty good uh, concise. Yeah overview of uh the the basics of the the week or the week from where i was standing from yeah but yeah we can uh, definitely pick it up again next week and uh um, absolutely i'm sure the world is giving us a lot to talk about without a doubt again folks matthew errett over at canadianpatriot.org and the rising tide foundation.net canadianpatriot.org rising tide foundation.net make sure you get his books an incomplete symphony Volume 1, Volume 2 is going to be incredible. Make sure you get it. Make sure you order it. Go to CanadianPatriot.org in order to order the books. Fantastic. And also support him over at the Substack. Amazing Substack. Become a subscriber to not only him, but also his brilliant wife, Cynthia Chung. They both write. Go support them. And with that being said, we're over and out.